All right, so it's just me and Laura May today. So I'm so honored to have you on. Um, this is the first time it's just me, and I'm so glad it's you. I've known Laura May my whole life. Well, no, at this point, I think so, since high school. It feels like it. <laughs> yeah, and Laura was one of my closest friends, and I'm, yeah, it's just an honor to have you. And um, just, yeah, introduce yourself, tell us a little about yourself, and yeah, we'll just hop right in. Sounds great. Well, I mean, you say it's an honor, but it's, it was such an honor to me when you asked if I would want to be part of this. And I remember when you shared on your Instagram that you were doing this, I immediately commented how excited I was for you and how I couldn't wait to listen. And um, because, yeah, it's so nice to just connect with one of my oldest friends and somebody who has been such a huge part of my life and was such a huge part of my life, especially during high school and those years. And um, all I have are just like the fondest memories of you and your family and um, just so excited to connect with you today. Um, so yeah, my name is Laura May and I um, was adopted when I was a baby. So I was six weeks old and I was adopted through the North Carolina Children's Home Society. So it was a closed adoption. Um, the first six weeks of my life was spent in foster care. And it's kind of strange. I don't really know much about it other than my parents were given photos of me as a baby in those first six weeks, but any of the other people in those photos, their faces are sharpied out. So it's really, there's like these creepy photos of just like a baby in the middle of these people with sharpied faces. So, um, so I don't know much about that experience other than there were a lot of people around me all the time because they had a sharpie a lot of faces. Um, and so I was adopted on my adopted mother's birthday, actually. And when I was six weeks old and I joined a family um, where I had an older brother and he was, had also been adopted. He's three and a half years older than me. Um, and he was also adopted through the North Carolina Children's Home Society as a baby as well. So my experience with adoption was that it was never a secret. Um, my parents were always very open about it, lots of books about it. Um, and I was always had a lot of questions about it and was very proud to be adopted. Um, my mom and I look a lot of like, we both have blonde hair, blue eyes, and people are often shocked to learn that I am adopted just because I look so much like my biological or my adopted parents. And um, I just always remember when people go, oh, you look so much like your mother. And I would be like, oh, well, I'm adopted. And I, you know, now I wonder how that made her feel that it was like my first reaction to when people would say how much we looked alike. Cause I think she felt that it, that us looking like made us closer in that sense. Um, but yeah, so I was always, I always had a lot of questions about it and my parents were always very honest about and open to any discussions. My brother never really talked too much about it. Like, um, you know, I think he, I think he sort of felt like if he talked about it, that it would hurt my dad's feelings or hurt my mom's feelings. Whereas I never felt that from them. I always felt just supported by, by them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where, where I come from and my background story with adoption. I love how proud you were. Oh yeah, I, like, I don't know. It was just from day one, I just always remember like if someone asked me or if, you know, 
someone, especially it happened a lot because of people talking about how much I look like my mom. Like that's how I remember it being like, oh yeah, well, yeah, we look alike, but I'm adopted. But I also thought that was cool how much I looked like her, even though I didn't, you know, physically come from her or share any physical DNA. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely feel proud to be adopted too. Yeah. Have that. And I think when we met, we like, I always remember knowing you were adopted. Yeah. And so I think we instantly bonded over that. And we had a lot of girls who were adopted. Actually. We did. And we actually had that group at our high school that of adopted um, kids. And I don't know, because at our high school, I was, it was a boarding school and I was a boarder and Lauren was a day student. And so I don't know if you were ever a part of that club. Um, Mr. Weeks, one of our English teacher, who was also adopted. You was he adopted? Led, yeah. Oh. And that's how it all came to be. And I, we didn't have many meetings. I just remember, um, you know, there were just a few other people that were in, in it. And I don't know how it came about, but we certainly had some times where we would all just like sit down in the library and talk to each other about our experiences. And everyone had different experiences and um, came from very different situations. and. I always just found it really fascinating and loved sharing my experience and listening to others. Yeah, same. Me too. I love that. I mean, that's a lot of the reason why we created this podcast too, was to just hear other voices because yeah. what's very real is that every, well, every human on the planet has their own experience, but adoptees, when I hear about our experiences and the, all the synchronicities that had to happen to get us to where we are, um, I really believe in that stuff. And yeah. so, I love that. I was thinking today, um, I don't know, I, I really enjoy like hearing people's like personality traits and especially when they take like Enneagram or things like that. And like, I'm a solid Enneagram too, where I am a caretaker and I love people and I want to be loved by people. And, you know, my deepest fear is not being accepted or loved by someone. And uh, I remember taking that for like taking the Enneagram for the first time and being like, oh my gosh, like this is really me. And then I started to wonder, like, I wonder how many adoptees have that Enneagram too somewhere in their personality traits, just that feeling of like, I wonder if it stems like subconsciously somewhere from that, oh, I was given up and, you know, did, you know, it does that somehow affect you know, my personality now that I want people to love and accept me because of that. I don't know, you what know, because such a, because I was such a baby, like who knows? Yeah. I didn't realize you were six weeks. I was also six weeks when I was adopted. I don't know if I knew that. I knew you were a baby. I just, I didn't know you were that young. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with international adoptions, you don't usually hear of them happening that early. That's true. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Because usually it's, you know, years a long process yeah yeah I don't know how that happened so quickly but anyway I had a question um oh yeah I remember do you feel like other than in personality tests (laughs) other ways that your adoption shows up in your life yeah I mean um so for me when I was 20 I went to the Children's Home Society and they were able to share my background story with me. And it was just unidentified information about what was shared with them at the time that I was brought to the Children's Home Society. And um, in that story, I learned that my biological mother was 18 when she had me and was about to go to college. 
and came from actually a pretty prominent family, you know, it, it's, it, there's some like confusing questions that I have because um, she hadn't told her family she was pregnant and I was born in August. And according to the, you know, medical information that was provided in that document, she was typically around 118 pounds. So I'm like, how did a 118 pound girl hide a pregnancy in the summer? I don't know, but um, so I was born in her bedroom with no medical assistance. Um, but it was written in there that her whole family was in town for her brother's tennis match. So I guess it was a big, you know, surprise when oh, everyone's woken up in the middle of the night to this girl having a baby. But um, even though I didn't have any prenatal care, I, you know, it was a healthy, a healthy baby. Um, and so in learning all of that, when I, again, I was 20 when I learned all of this and um you know, it had, it had information that she provided on my birth father, um, though he did not, when, when they had reached out to him, he did not confirm that he was my birth father. Um, but I also learned in that, in that information that I have a full biological sister because she had been, my biological mother had been pregnant three years before, which meant she had another baby when she was 15. Now, the background information said that my biological mother had a 16-year-old brother, I believe an 11-year-old brother, and then a three-year-old sister. And so the way that it was worded about her biological child was that she had another child that she was not parenting. So in my mind, I kind of thought, well, maybe this three-year-old sister, maybe her parents were raising that child. And again, this could not be true at all. This is just where like I put those pieces together. And that's honestly been the person that I've been most fascinated about is this person out there that's my full biological sister that, you know, I don't, I think it's just fascinating. Like, I think I'm fascinated by the idea of like, would love to connect with that person just to see, you know, what similarities we have, you know, nature versus nurture, like how that, you know, all came, I'm just like fascinated by it. Um, so that comes into play a lot and just wondering where that person is and who that person is and if I'll ever connect with that person. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's kind of odd to know that you have a full biological sibling that. Yeah. And who might live like in at least the same, like. Yeah. Same, I, right. Well, I was born, I do know that I was born in urban North Carolina. So that could be really anywhere in North Carolina. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> any city in North Carolina but um yeah it was that was kind of shocking to me and and my bro my brother um is like one of my very best friends like he and I have such a great relationship and um you know I just I love the sibling relationship that he and I developed over the years and what we continue to have into adulthood and um so I don't, I don't know. I, I think that that's probably why I'm so fascinated by that relationship, just because I know how much I love, you know, my adopted sibling and um, the relationship that we've created. So I think maybe that's why it piques my interest. When you just um, so much love in you, you know, <laughs> just like ready to love more people. I'm just ready to love people. <laughs> <laughs> There's that personality test coming back up. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. 
Um, so some adoptees like Deontay and Glenna and I talk about how we're like a little crazy and how it looks, you know, for us, it's a lot of like anxiety, mm -hmm. um, or just like issues in relationships. Now you've been married for how long now? Years. It'll be eight, eight years next, oh. in that nuts, <laughs> eight years next week. That's wild. Oh yeah, my God. you were at my wedding. <laughs> I was there. And so, so having sustained this beautiful, what I, from what I can tell, it seems <laughs> beautiful and happy and true. And mm -hmm. um, do you feel that you've kind of, like in that way, adoption hasn't negatively impacted, yeah. impacted you? I think, you know, my husband and I have an interesting story because I met him, he's from, rural Costa Rica and I moved to Costa Rica after college to teach English and he lived in the teeny tiny rural mountain town of about you know 400 people um, that I taught in and that's how we connected and so we come from extremely different cultures and backgrounds um, but there's some similarities there in that he lived a majority of his life not with his biological parents he lived a lot with his aunt and uncle and grandparents because his biological parents lived in a, a different community. They, they moved when he was younger. And, um, he, they felt it was best for him to stay back in his, he didn't want to go. And so he stayed in his community. Um, and so I think there's some similarities there that we were raised by different people. Um, now his parents were Im still involved in his life. They weren't, they were only about an hour away. So, um, but I think that some, I think there's certainly some similarities and some connection there that, that formed when we first met. Um, and I think we were always just, um, you know, I think we were always just connected in the family that we wanted to build and the idea of what that would look like. And um, for me, I've always had an interest. We have two you know, beautiful biological girls who are five and two. And, um, but I've always had an interest in adopting a child. And I made that clear to him before we were married because, you know, you, those are obviously discussions you want to have. Um, and we talk about that and I, as time goes on and life experiences that I've had and different jobs that I've done, um, I feel more drawn to adopt an older child, but, um, I think we just need to wait till our, you know, families in the place for, for doing that. Um, so I think that that might be something that happens in our lives a little bit further down the road when our girls are a little bit older and um, can kind of grasp the concept of what, what would be happening when, if we're bringing an older child into our home, mm. um, where everyone can kind of have a, talk, have a say in it. And um, I'm with my girls, it's very important to me that, you know, that they have their own voice and that I allow them to use that voice. So, when, for example, when I was um, moving my two-year-old out of her crib and putting her in a big girl bed, my, my oldest was like, oh, I want her to be in my room with me. And like, I want her to sleep with me. And I was like, well, we're gonna wait until Adam can, you know, voice that that's something that she wants to. Like, she's gonna stay in her room until she can like really articulate that that's something that she wants to do too. So um, I think same situation if we were to ever bring another child into our, um, into our home, it would be something that would be a family decision. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that choice, you know, and 
there's a lot of things around adoption where like we don't get a choice, but I love how mm -hmm. you're allowing your family to have choice and say and true understanding about what's actually going on. Yeah. Important. Um, but I'm no. glad you mentioned your girls. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You no, that's good. Go ahead. Um, so the one, one of the main reasons why I reached out, well, other than I love you, <laughs> time with you um was because I remember reading I'm pretty sure it was in anyway I did my thesis on adoption trauma mm -hmm. birth yeah. in the womb essentially okay. and one of the papers I read or books I read it said that um this dad when he, his wife gave birth to their daughter he realized and had a really intense experience of like, this is the first biological family I've ever met. And that like hit my heart really hard. And I was like, whoa, that's intense. Yeah. And so I kind of just wanted to hear, you know, your thoughts about that. If that's something yeah. you ever thought about, or, I mean, I know I said it to you, I know. <laughs> but before I mentioned it, or, you know, I'm just curious about what that, what that, what it's like. Yeah, you know, it, and I've told this story now in the past couple of months to so many people because you did, when you did reach out to me and um, asked if I'd be interested and you said, I, you know, I'd really like to talk to you about Maisie being the first biological family member that you ever met. And I was like, and we were talking via text message. I remember just like looking at my phone, like, oh my God, <laughs> like Maisie was the first biological family. Like it just, it never registered in that sense that like, Oh, she was, you know, it registered in other ways. Um, but like until that moment, now I think about it all the time. I was like, no, I can't stop thinking about it and talking about it um, in that way. But for me, when it really hit me and the, the big impact for me, you know, growing up adopted, I'm sure you had this experience too. You know, go to, you go to the doctor and they start asking, well, does this exist in your family, your family history? I just remember being annoyed by it. It'd be like, no, I don't know. Like, I don't have a family history. I don't, I don't know. Um, and, but not, you know, it never really like impacted me in any way. And probably because I've lived mostly a healthy life. But I remember when my firstborn was about a year old, she was experiencing like these really quick, almost like little tremors. And the pediatrician was like, well, do, you know, stroke, does this, that run in your family? any neurological disorders, I was like, I don't know. And I just remember feeling like defeated that I didn't know this information for my, you know, helpless little one-year-old. Like, I just felt like, oh, like this is something I should be able to give her that I can't because of not, not knowing, you know, having very limited family medical history. And um, so because of that, you know, they're like, well, we need to send you to UNC Chapel Hill and get EEGs and just rule everything out. They're like, we think it's just her nervous system developing but we just want to make sure. And that's exactly what it was. Like within two months, it was nothing, you know, there was nothing that was lasting and they, they aren't concerned and haven't been concerned. And we haven't had an issue since she was one and she's on my six. So that's, I think when it really first hit me that like, I don't have this biological history to share with her. And I, I was frustrated about that. So I actually reached out to the Toronto Times Society and ask them if there was a way to connect me somehow with my biological family to get an update in medical history. I said, you know, I don't know how interested I'm in anything else, but I am interested in getting an update in medical history. 
So what they said is that they would be able to um, do a search for my biological mother and then they would be able to reach out to her with um, a letter set that would be very vague saying, we have reason to believe that you are related to this person who was born on you know, August 3rd and was given up for adoption at the Children's Hub Society, like enough identifying information that if my biological mother read it, she would know, oh, this is my child, but not if you know, she has a diff- new husband or family or something and read it, wouldn't it you know, automatically mean that that was his wife's baby. Um, and it, it would include a updated, like a sheet to fill in updated medical history. And I asked them to do that. And so they found her and they sent the letter and didn't get anything back, sent a certified letter. She signed for the certified letter. So they knew they had the right person, um, but still hasn't sent anything back. And they send about a letter a year. Um, and they said, it's a good thing that she hasn't, you know, they'll, they said they'll do that until she calls and tells them to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you know, I think it's a good thing that she hasn't reached out to tell us to stop. She signs for every letter and, um, you know, she may just be needing time, which I totally get, you know, I understand that. But it is something that that weighs on me a little bit for my girls is wanting that, you know, complete, n- knowing the best of my ability of what I can protect them from, you know, and granted, there's so many things out there. I mean, you know, we're just coming out of a pandemic. Well, we're, you know, it's still happening. And those things are not anything that any biological history could have prevented or but I don't know. I think it's just being armed with as much information as you could possibly be to protect your children. Um, then you want to have that information. So that's how, uh, you know, thinking of Maisie being my first biological child and then Adam, when I think of it in those terms, it's like, I, I just wish that I had more information for their sake um, so that I could help protect them. But I don't know that's how that's impacted me yeah just like the mama bear in you yeah (laughs) yeah and again it's like sometimes I think about it and I'm like this is kind of ridiculous that I'm so like hung up on this because again like you know we all had COVID last year and my girls you know tested positive for it and that's nothing that any biological history would have prevented them from or help you know knowing anything would have helped them and um you know fortunately they were fine and we all were, we all came out on the other end, but like, and I just sometimes have those moments of like, it's not that important. Like it doesn't really matter because I can protect them in all these other ways. But for some reason, I just get hung up on it. Like, I'd like to know if there's something that I need to know, if there's some cliff, you know, that anyone's heading for, it would be nice to know about it. I think it's a safety net. I think it like makes total sense that it's something that you want to know. Yeah. I mean, I remember because my mom's ado- was adopted too. Yeah. Whenever you go to the doctor, she's like, "I just put a giant X through the whole medical, yeah, medical part or family medical part," and it became so normalized. I didn't even think about it. Um, but now, I I'm actually in reunion with my birth mom. Yeah. I'd ask her. I remember the first time going to the doctor, and this was the first time in my life that I could actually ask someone. Yeah. I remember it just felt, I felt a weight lift that I didn't even really know was there. So I totally get that. And now I know that like kidney disease runs in my family. Yeah. Yeah. 
good for me to know. And good yeah, I mean, you can, your diet, you can do things that can help prevent things that, you know, knowing those things are good for preventative care and to, uh, you know, if I knew like diabetes ran in the family, you know, I would know how to, you know, I would maybe shift the way my girls eat or, I, you know, I don't know, maybe we should just always be living life, like assuming we have everything. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 All sounds very like valid and true. And I imagine that many adoptees and adoptees listening to this often also have those questions. And I think some people feel like it's really unfair. Mm -hmm. And I know in Colorado, at least, they're trying to sign into law this new bill, I think. Oh gosh, please don't quote me on this. Um, but essentially saying that they're really leaning towards open adoption and like open medical records. And yeah. so that all people in the system or who are adopted have at least some basic information. Yeah. And we're just not, you know, when we grew up and when my mom grew up when Mr. Weeks, when he grew up, it's just like closed. Yeah. It's like does not exist. Essentially. Yeah. And for international, it's that way a lot too. So oh I yeah going in this direction because a lot of the research shows we do better when we do have those open adoptions and you know Deontay talks about this a lot and of course in that there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of dynamics and trauma of its own but I think choice going back to what you were saying about choice I think it gives us more choice yeah and I think that you know it has created this because again I've said you know, I don't, I don't really know what, how far I would want to go with any information about my biological parent. And it's like, but you can provide that with not giving me any identifying information. And they did, you know, my, the history that I was given had some, but at that point, like my biological grandparents were like 42 years old, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot, you know, things could have shifted dramatically. And, um, you know, I, I don't, you just don't know. So yeah. Definitely. And we're lucky too, in that a lot of things carried down in DNA is like such a small percentage and a lot of it actually is environmental. Yeah. We are really lucky about that piece, Um, which is good, but obviously there are things like rare diseases and cancers. Like my dad had shared caught Marie too. Yeah. Very rare neurological degenerative disease. And Mm -hmm. it's totally in like the Jewish lineage that, was carried down something that he had that I had zero I don't have to worry about that right? yeah Not his right daughter which was kind of like whew, a relief for me yeah however let's say that was my bio family and I didn't yeah. know and I have this mystery disease yeah I'm probably it would have taken forever to figure that out yeah right probably yeah. I don't know yeah not up but well and just like I said with Maisie like having to go and do all these extra tests on this you know sweet little one-year-old that wouldn't probably have had to be done had we known like well actually none of this there the chances of something happening none of this runs in your family let's just wait and see versus no we need to go do this just to make, to make sure right so. yeah like that peace of mind yeah and um yeah because when someone tells you oh you can wait or see when you're talking about your one-year-old child it's like no we're not gonna wait we need to go I don't care yeah no we're going I'm in the car I'm driving to Chapel Hill let's <laughs> Hook her up to whatever you need to hook her up to. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. It just, uh, it's certainly, I, you know, 
has changed since I've had my girls, the way that I've viewed my adoption. Um, and I don't think it's affected my pride about it or, you know, but I think it's just, as I've grown into adulthood, it certainly has shifted my thoughts and feelings towards it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything like else you'd like to say or share? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think we've, I mean, we could go down so many different roads, <laughs> you know, um, as you know, I could take us a million different ways, but, um, I, I, again, I'm just so grateful that you thought of me and wanted to have this conversation with me. And it's just so wonderful to, to connect with you. You know, I just feel like because I did, I, you know, I felt such a part of your family in high school and, um, and I've always felt like whenever we see or talk to each other, whether it's just in a text message or even in just like a Facebook comment or, you know, that it's like that we just pick off where we left off and pick up where we left off. And, um, and so I knew that this would feel natural and just hanging out with my old best friend. <laughs> yeah, we just eat some like goldfish and then... We're I know, busy. some goldfish in your basement <laughs> and it'll be totally fine. <laughs> oh, well, thank yeah. you so much. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so good to be with you. I know. I just miss and love you so much. I know. I love you. Oh, yeah.